Let's do it. the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we have every single line wide open. Just go ahead and give us a call. Push up at the top of the list. That's right. It's just a beautiful day. and Boy, it is. We're here giving out great information. <laughs> Trying to give away information. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you just go ahead and give us a call, and we'll go ahead and put you on up there. What happens, of course, every single week is that most folks, for whatever reason, kind of wait towards the end of the show. Maybe they're listening and... Just don't so think, and then certain topic strikes their fancy. Something kind of hits a keynote with them, and then they'll call in. Right. But unfortunately, when they tell us to get out of here, man, we're out of here. There's just no. That's it. That's radio. They yeah. turn the switch off. <laughs> yeah, it runs on the timetable. That's for sure. So uh, you gonna call in early. That way, we not only ask you call, but spend a little time and really answer your call fully. Right. At very best, towards the end of the show, we have to kind of rush you to try to get everybody in as best we can. And, just doesn't work out nearly as well. So just in case you don't care to call in, something occurred to you during the week. That's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Mm-hmm. Right. Easy way to remember that. It's Altazan's Garage Company. There's three databases you can search on the site. There's the vehicle questions, which is over 600. Yeah, 615, I 15, think it was. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you can search those questions they'll give you a straight kind of to the point answer to a particular question right you may very well find what you're looking for right there on vehicle questions if you type in something like what happens if i put power steering fluid in my brake system right or something like that you're going to find an answer and you will also generally find a link to more information in the detailed topic which is a second major database right that's a more in-depth article on a specific, specific topic. Right. This morning, I put one in on transmission fluids, the colors of different types of transmission fluids. Right. Several times a week, we get folks who come in, and they'll say, you know, how much to rebuild transmission? Of course, well, why do you need to rebuild transmission? Well, somebody told me my fluid was burnt. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you check the car, and it is burnt, and there's a problem. But many, many, many times, the fluid is just dark uh, or just a different color from normal because a lot of the newer fluids are different colors from some of the older fluids. Right. So understanding of what transmission fluid color means is something that saves you a whole and lot of trouble and time and, and aggravation. That's right. That's one thing you don't want to do is go in and say, I need a rebuilt transmission. Right. The guy that's going to help you, he's going to want to know why. That's right. He's not going to try to sell you something right off the bat when you walk in the door. Right. He's going to want to know what are your symptoms, what troubles are you having, and from that explanation he can decipher well he can where to you, start need because right. the guy who is a craftsman the guy who really wants to fix a car his main concern is fix the car because he knows when he's finished with it he wants you happy he that's wants right you happy so you come back and buy more things from him obviously but he wants you happy so he's not gonna just jump and start doing things same thing goes with a brake burn oh, yeah. shock any you type know, of repair people call all the time so how much set of shocks okay why do you need a set of shocks well i got a bump and noise in the front end well you don't know if you need shocks or not all you know is you got a bump and noise when you hit a bump Exactly. 90% of the time, it's not shock at all. Well, and, and you go in time, asking for them, you're you going to get them. You get a set of shocks, you spent five times more than what you really needed, and you still ain't fixed the problem. And you probably took off shocks that were better than got put back on. That's a big problem, too. You took off a good set of OEM shocks, threw a set of junk shocks over right, there that somebody some, had on sale. Some of those uh, OE shocks are Bilstein's. Oh, that's right. You very, know, the high-grade... Very high, nice, high, nice high end stuff. And then you put a set of junk shocks. Now the car rides bad, plus you still got your knocking noise. Exactly. So it's just the way you go about doing things. And in the past, that's kind of how people always did. Car started running rough or it didn't start good. Well, I want how much tune up? Well, there's no such thing as tune up anymore. You need the car fixed. Tell them what it's doing. 
If it runs rough when it's cold, you need to tell them that. Or if my gas mileage is down, you need to tell them that. If you walk in and say, give me a tune-up, they screw a set of plugs in and it still does the same thing, who's at fault? That's right. You, you, you told them what to do. That's right. You diagnosed the problem wrong, and now you got what you paid for, or you didn't get what you paid for. Yeah. <laughs> you got stuck. So Anyway, there's tons of articles like that. Good, good, good information. Just that one little piece of knowledge will save just... I don't know how much money over the next Most next definitely. several years. Most definitely. Just knowing the difference between knowing how things are now as opposed to how things used to be. That's right. And there's tons of information about that. So pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. And I know you'll get a lot of good information. We got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning, sir. I have a 2006 Toyota Tundra, and it's got a V8. Okay. Uh, recommended oil from the factory is a 5W30. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I wanted to know some differences, if there is. Maybe I ought to be looking on your website. Mm-hmm. And it's got an awfully small oil filter. Should I smaller than I think it should be? Well, it's not, though. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing you need to know about all filters on a Toyota Jim is to use a Toyota filter. That's all the information you need. That That's is an extremely, extremely high-quality filter to use. It's a good media. It's probably one of the best filters in existence across the board. You will not find a better filter no matter what you do. Size of the filter is proportional to the engine. You just need to change it every 3,000 miles. <laughs> the oil 530 is fine. Now, the only difference I would take ever on any kind of oil recommendation is depending on how you drive the vehicle. If your average trip is real short... Like, say, you go three, four, five miles, and your truck sits, and then you go three, four, five miles, and it sits, and you don't drive it that much. That's extreme conditions. That calls for different oil than if you get and you drive from here to Gosman every day to go to work. Mm-hmm. Okay? So your driving condition is going to determine the type oil. Now, as far as viscosity, you've got to stick with the 530. Reason being, oil does a whole lot more than lubricate the engine. Mm-hmm. Okay? Oil is also operating the cam phasers because you have variable cam timing on that engine. You start swapping up viscosities, and you will create problems you can't even imagine. Okay. It's different volatility in different oils, and you end up wiping out a set of catalytic converters, which are 2000 bucks after seventy five or 80,000 miles because you put the wrong oil in it. So don't even think about changing the viscosity. That's what's designed for the engine. Stick with 5W30. If you're making a lot of little short trips, you might consider going with synthetic oil. We like the Mobile One's a great, great product. Some of the others on the market are real good as well. If you put a fair number of miles on the truck at a time, you know, longer trips, then almost any oil is going to do a really good job for you. And, again, same thing with your change interval. If you put a lot of miles, let's say you're going 6,000 miles a month, almost any kind of oil is going to work, and you could probably go out four or 5,000 miles between changes without any problem. If you're like most people and you're putting a lot of short trips on, you need to stick with 3,000-mile changes, and you might even consider a synthetic. And something else you need to think about, too, is once you select a brand of oil, Mm -hmm. you want to stick with that brand because the different brands have different additive packages packages in them, and they may create a problem somewhere down the road. You don't ever want to start jumping around with different types of oil. That was my next question. Right. Now, I know you want to stick with it, but Mm -hmm. suppose you want to change it. I mean, there's no big big hard and fast rule that you can't. I can't go from... Let's say caster to motorcraft, whatever. You can end up with problems. You can. We've seen it happen over and over again. Sometimes it works. Most, well, I can say most. A lot of times it doesn't. If those additive packages are not the same, it may start burning oil. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen that several times where someone will swap from one type of oil to a different type, both great oils, but it just changes something in the engine. It starts burning oil. 
Sometimes they go back to the original oil and slowly it takes up and quits using oil. I've seen people change oil and say it made no difference. So it's just as a good rule, I would pick something that is number one, a good product, which almost all the majors are good products. Number uh-huh. two is readily available. That's right. big because let's say you're picking all that you can only get one place. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's really inconvenient, and next time you need to change all, it's really, you, you don't have it, so you swap something else, and you end up creating a problem. So pick a good popular oil. That's like I said on the synthetic. We use Mobile One. Reason being, you can buy Mobile One anywhere in the world. You, uh-huh. Everybody's got Mobile One. Amzol is a great product, don't get me wrong, but you can only get it on the Internet. And if you need an oil change or something happens where you need some oil and you don't have time to order it, well, then you got a problem. Sure. Same thing with your raw purples and all that. Great product, and there are local distributors for it, but it's just more difficult to get than something that's very, very... You just want to try to make it as easy as possible to do the right thing. Well, I'm at a disadvantage because not knowing what oil was originally in there because I bought mm-hmm. the car used. Right. Yeah, if that's the case, and you just have to go with pick one and, and hope and for the best. Stay with it. Stay with it from then on. All right. That's all okay. you can do. All right, and, and the, the size of the oil filter. That, I would I mean, not be I'm, concerned about that at all. <laughs> that is something yeah. that Toyota spec'd out for right. that engine. It's not the physical size, number of pleats in the filter, and the way the it's media. designed, the media, the size of the holes in the media, the consistency of the holes in the media, and the drain back valve in it that controls the quality of the filter. Y'all really don't care too much for filters, though. I'm not going to say that. Make some good filters, and they, they make do. some questionable filters. They have different grades of filters. The problem is, if you don't know what you're buying, it's just more difficult. You're throwing more variation in. If you buy a Toyota filter, you got a quality filter every single time. There's no question about it. Yeah, you could go over to Toyota and buy five or six filters. Right. Have one on the shelf. And Anytime a, you got ready to change all, you have one. They're very reasonable on their filters. I'm yeah. going to tell you, you can buy them from Toyota for probably about four or five bucks a filter, which is the same price you can buy anywhere. Well, no, it's just not as convenient, that's all. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you, yeah. when you when yeah. you go over there, you buy a four, five, yeah. or six. Go, and and buy, go one time, buy your yeah. case of them. Buy your case 12, throw them in the trunk, and you got them. Okay. It's not like it's ever going to go bad. Sure. All righty. Well, thank you, guys. Right, You're yeah. welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. You want to be part of the automotive fire? We'd love to have you. We're going to go ahead and take a quick little break. Herbert and Dreg, hang on. You guys will be straight up after the break. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I'm here with David, actual Agco Automotive customer and owner of a 98 Suburban with 434,000 miles on it. And counting. That's amazing. How did you do that? Well, as an airline pilot, I know the importance of regular maintenance schedules. That and having a great team of mechanics, just like the guys at Agco. So Agco has helped keep your car running? All of my cars. Wow. So, folks, if you're looking to keep your late model vehicle on the road longer, take it to AGCO once a year for a general inspection. That way, the AGCO team can catch any potential problems early before they become expensive repairs down the road. Yeah, David, I've done a little piloting myself. Really? Well, it was one of those radio-controlled planes you fly off of Burbank, (laughs) but I could feel the power. (laughs) Oh, I bet you could. That's really close to a 747. I know, right? So, folks, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Now I'm noise off the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it. But I can't keep punching with the victory crew when you're making me punch you with that bottle boo. I wanna give my all if I'm gonna give it, but I gotta get my shut eye if I'm gonna rip it. So, Hey, welcome back. You just joined us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvin, with my co-pilot, Mr. Brian Terry. 
Hey, the two of us will put together all our automotive knowledge and experience to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Let's go straight back to our phone lines. We've got Howard's been patiently holding. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, sir. Generalized question on operation and maintenance on the CV transmissions that are, are in the Nissan. Yes, sir. The experience that you folks have had with them, and I guess we've never had any in the family with a CV transmission right. in it, and now we suddenly have two cars, and just curious about the maintenance and operation, you know, of it, and if you follow the instruction in the manual, every time you drive in for an oil change, they want to do about $2,000 worth of work <laughs> to your car, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know uh, how that goes, but really, I mean, is <laughs> what do you guys... Uh, do you have any any experience or do you even fool with them? Well, there's not a whole lot of people with any experience with them just because they've been out a long, long, long time. Been out since the 1950s. Ford Fiesta came out with a CVT back in 59. Mm-hmm. Didn't work, never worked. They dropped it for a while. They played with it in a few European cars. Now they've decided it works now and they're going to start putting it in everything. It's just kind of a wait-and-see thing because most of the popular ones that are out are all still under warranty. They're less than three years old. So it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see what happens. Some of them have a filter that can be replaced. Some of them do not. Basically, what you've got is just a big glorified belt with two pulleys that are hydraulically controlled. It'll be interesting to see. Who knows? It's just okay, be one of you, you have to kind of play out. I definitely would follow whatever is in that maintenance manual verbatim just because my experience is the manufacturers push maintenance recommendations to the absolute outside. Would you say maybe uh, just looking through the manuals because uh, – I don't know. We've had one daughter got scared of a car and traded in for a Nissan, and naturally they bugged her on, and she had a Toyota, you know, and they, they kind of bugged her to buy a Nissan, yeah, and she, really she was afraid that. of that. Yeah, that, that was unwise in my opinion. Of that speed situation. And, uh, yeah. you, got four million, you got four people out of four million, and right, that's very, right, right. very questionable. And, and, you know, I believe they could have hooked a screen door spring to Well, to the, I think you got you probably got worse than what you had before, but that's you know, neither me you know, neither Well, that's there. because she, she traded in an Avalon and I think took a beating on it. it Boy, had, uh, I sure wish she'd have come sold me her Avalon. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'd be glad to beat her up on it. <laughs> well, but anyway, and, and got a Nissan, but... Just out of curiosity, and I kind of ride heard over getting them to check their cars and that kind yeah. of stuff. Really curious because you've never mentioned all the years, you know, that you've been on the radio. Mm-hmm. I've just not heard you mention very much about the CV transmission. Yeah, CVT is, is constantly variable well, transmission. See, yeah, constantly variable transmission. It, it's I'm really familiar just, with that from just from not much. Really, just not much to say. I mean, you're just uh-huh. gonna have to wait and see what happens. You well, when, it, when it breaks, you can be at their mercy because they're the only source of supply on it. Y'all have not worked on any. We of have. Those. We have. You have, but then you got to go back and buy all the stuff from them. So it just depends on what happens with it. You oh, know, it's just one of those deals. There's really no track history. It hadn't been out long enough. Well, I'm just wondering if the oil should be changed in it. What does it say in the manual? Uh, probably a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. But I wouldn't do that. Whatever it says in that manual is the absolute outside is it, yeah. maximum. Yeah, cut I wouldn't let half. it go no longer than I'd that. Probably cut that in half. Okay, well, that answers the question. Mm-hmm. And Listen, uh, that fluid's got to come from the manufacturer. It's about thirty bucks a quart. It's a special. Part. Special, special fluid special just oil. for that trans. And is that a high-volume transmission of oil? I mean, No, yeah. normally most In of the quarts? ones we're servicing, probably three to six quarts. Yeah. Okay, okay. Depending yeah. on the design. I can look up under there, and, you know, it's got this little square pan, and it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a kind of just odd the way they have it oh, yeah. put in. Yeah, it, it's like everything else they're building now. I mean, they stick a lot of real, real, real high-dollar technology on these cars, 
and you as the owner are the one who's going to end up paying for all their oh, yeah. trying their experimentation. experimentation if it doesn't work out. Yep. Well, think of what we're paying for up in Washington. Oh, there you oh go. No, don't even start that. <laughs> we can sit here and talk the rest of the day about Listen, that. It's, it's a good day, and you guys have a good day. Okay, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. And we got Herbert on the line. Good morning, Herbert. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Uh, along the same line there, my daughter called yesterday from Seattle, and she's got an 04 Saturn View four-cylinder with a variable ratio transmission. Mm-hmm. And they put plugged it in, and they said it's got internal leakage. It yes, jerks sir. every once in a while when she's driving it. Yes, sir. And they were offered her $5,000 toward the new vehicle, <laughs> and it's an 04 model. Yeah. And they said it would they could rebuild it for half. She would have to pay half and from what she gathers, it might run from five to $7,000. Yeah. And they don't, and then talking to somebody on the internet, they didn't, some of them don't hold up when they get correct. through them. That is correct. And my, my only question is, if they sold you one car like that, why would you want another one even at half price? Right. You and know, that, I would run as far and as fast from that junk as I could and try to buy you a decent car. Man, Herbert, what you're saying, I see every single day. It's sort of like, with this cash for clunkers debacle that just got over, people went down, they bought junk that they have no idea what they're buying. They got cars with six and seven speed transmissions that cost 10,000 bucks for a transmission. Right. It's all experimental prototype junk. So when it breaks, you total the car and you still owe more on it than what you get for it. Man, the car business is so screwed up right now. If anybody can do one thing and need to probably find, keep the car they got, keep it going just as long as they possibly can, or try to find another car about like what they got and try to keep it going. The new stuff that's out there, I mean, it is going to make me an absolutely rich man, so I guess I shouldn't be complaining. I just hate seeing what's happening to people. One question. It doesn't do it constantly, mm-hmm. and she's wondering if she put it on the road and, you know, just a cruising speed, could she make it home, you, you think? When- probably, probably, but, again, there's just no way to know without knowing what's right. wrong with it. What they do, the seals and stuff start getting hard over time, and they start slipping, and so it doesn't apply that belt. It doesn't make all the shifts smooth like it's supposed mm-hmm. to. On a regular transmission, it'd be like a eight or nine hundred dollar repair, but on that, it's seven thousand bucks. And it's just the technology that they're using. That's across the board on a lot of new stuff that's coming out. When you start getting up from two thousand seven, eight, and on up, I mean, it's unbelievable stuff they're putting in there as far as the cost of repair. Okay, I'll pack my wheel bearings on my trailer <laughs> and be ready. To get there you go. That probably is going to be as good as anything else. Chances are, if she takes it easy, if it does start to act crazy, maybe pull over, cut the key off, cycle ignition, it resets everything, and then go ahead and drive it some more. If she feels like she can't make it, she's going to have to stop and do something else. But, you know, she got a cell phone with her. Okie dokie. All righty. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, Herbert. Thank Thanks, you, man. Sir. Bye-bye. All right. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we got Greg online. Good morning, Greg. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, sir. Good morning. Uh, I just have a, just have a general question. Okay. Like. Most of the people in Baton Rouge back during Gustav, I uh-huh. bought a bunch of gas cans to run my generator. Yes, and make a long story short, here it is uh, 18 months later, and I've got about 20 to 25 gallons of gas still sitting in the back of my garage yeah. with no stabilizer in it. And I'm just wondering, is it safe to use it in my cars or lawnmower, or mm. what do you recommend? Well, what happens, Greg, that stuff is going to start separating out, getting gum in it and what have you. It's going to probably cost you more to try to run that stuff than it would to just get rid of it. I mean, even though we're talking several bucks worth of gasoline, if you just got to use it, what I would do, if you have an older vehicle, I would probably put maybe a little bit in there at a time, 
like put maybe five gallons and then go fill up with fresh gas. And you could probably get rid of it like that, but it's not going to run good. It's not going to make as much energy as it used to. And you are running some risk of gumming stuff up. If you got fairly newer vehicles, I definitely wouldn't try it just because the cost is going to be astronomical if it messes something up. Yeah, well, that's my situation. In fact, I was headed over to this recycle thing. I don't know if they take gasoline over at this recycle day they're having today or not. Sure. They should because basically you, you can dump it in with the oil. All it does is raises the BTU limit. I mean, they take used oil and make heating oil out of it. All it's going to do is raise the BTU of it a little bit. And I mean, if you drop 25 gallons of gas in with 25,000 gallons of oil, it's just not, not going to make that much difference. Yeah, the, the biggest hazard is just the, the flash point on it is low, so a lot of people don't want to mess with it because of that. I would think they would probably be willing to take it from you. All right, very good. Thank you, okay, guys. Okay, thank you, Greg. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we got Ray online. Good morning, Ray. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Doing great. I've got myself a good little problem. Okay. i got a 06 Avalanche. Uh-huh. ABS lights on, traction uh-huh. control lights right. on, and it says service stability. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty common. Pretty common on it. <laughs> Most likely on it, Ray, is what they call the ABS control module. That is an absolute classic symptom of it. They go out all the time. There's a couple of things that can cause it, but that's the most common. In order to know for sure, you'd have to plug into it with a Tech 2, go into the module and read the code and see what it is. About the only other thing we ever see is sometimes the wheel speed sensors will go out, but most of the time it's the ABS control, control module. module. Now, I can tell you, when you go call Chevrolet for that part... Be sitting down. Yeah, they'll knock you down. It is obscenely expensive. I'm talking like in the $1,200 range just for this little module. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the world of new cars. We can actually rebuild those. What we've been doing is taking them off. You can run the truck without it on there. I can take it off. We can you know, block it off where it doesn't get damaged while you're driving it. It takes about a week to get it back. He'll rebuild it. We can put it back on, and you're down in the $200 range for something like that. Okay. So if that is what it is, what I would recommend is get it in first. Let me diagnose it, make sure that is a problem because it's possible it could be a speed sensor or something, but not very likely. If it is a module, that's what we do with them. I I'm not playing GM's game. I ain't paying them twelve hundred bucks for a module. No. That's, uh, how do I get a hold of you? Just you go to my website www.agcoauto.com and it got everything you need to know right there. Okay. All right. Thank you, man. Okay, All man. Right. Thank you. All right, we'll take one more quick little break. Michael, Bill, Isaac, hang on. You guys will be straight up after the break. I'm here with John, an actual Agco Automotive customer. I've been taking all of my cars to Lewis for a long time. I go in regularly for all changes, and if they notice anything else wrong, they let me know. It's just like going in for a checkup at the doctor. So you're saying the mechanics at Agco are like physicians? Car doctors. They don't ever miss a diagnosis. And I have three cars with over 100,000 miles on them. Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. They'll check it out and even let you know if it's best to invest in repairs or possibly look for another vehicle. Yep, regular maintenance with Agco keeps my cars running fine. And regular checkups at the doctor keeps this old 80-year-old in good shape, too. You're 80? John, I hope I look that good when I'm your age. Well, son, I think it's kind of late for that. Oh, I see your wit's pretty sharp, too. So, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
Hey, welcome back. If you just join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Bill's been patiently holding. Good morning, Bill. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I've got a 2006 F-150, hey. and I've always done brake jobs on my vehicles. Mm-hmm. And on this one, it's my first changing out pads on the rear end uh-huh. and if i re- put it in reverse and back out at my home everything's cool and there's no noise but after i run it and, and i stop and put it in reverse and back out there's a like the calipers didn't doesn't release enough and it, it uh, vibrates back there makes a noise i would be sure that, that was a brake problem bill and not something else that's kind of a classic symptom of a u-joint problem Ford has had more than a little bit of problem with that. Generally, after it warms up, you'll get that kind of thing, and it's going to be in one direction and not the other because 99% of the time, that U-joint is turning in one direction, so it tends to wear that way. Does and it, return does it backwards, it's turning the opposite way. Does it sound real fast, the squeaking yeah, noise yeah. when you're backing up? Does it sound real fast, like faster than the truck's moving? Not really. About one revolution per wheel revolution? Yeah. I've, I've got the wheel off right now, mm-hmm. and it, it looks fine. And I have stopped after an interstate run and felt front and rear what is it rotors yes sir. Mm-hmm. and it, it it doesn't seem like the rear is hotter than the front one you yeah know? chances just, are it's not gonna be a brake problem it doesn't, be something doesn't sound else. like a brake problem yeah it just it just doesn't sound like i mean what you could always do is that next time you get to do it while you back it up just reach over and lightly touch the brake pedal and see if the noise changes okay and if it changes it then maybe it's in the brakes if it doesn't change it just forget that and if you apply them kind of hard it's going to definitely change it regardless of what it is so just lightly not even hard enough to completely break it you know just lightly touch the pedal and see if the noise changes and if it changes you're probably in the brakes somewhere i mean you can have a clip that's kind of slipped out of place and rubbing or something but just doesn't sound really like a brake noise on that drive shaft what you need to do everybody says oh i checked you joints they're okay okay how'd you check it well i grabbed shaft there's no slack well that's one way to check it what you got to do is you got to take those little bolts off the drive shaft, take it loose, take the U-joint with your fingers and turn it in both planes. Uh-huh. And if it's stiff in either plane, if it isn't perfectly, perfectly free, then right. you got a bad U-joint. Because okay. slacking the U-joint is one thing, but a U-joint that gets tight is a totally different thing. You need to That's go- when you okay. start getting your squeak, squeak, squeak when you back up and you get some vibration stuff you out You need to there. go ahead and take the drive shaft out the transmission also mm-hmm. and check, check that U-joint the, the same way. Don't just take the shaft and move it up and down in the planes. Take the shaft out of the truck and work the yoke up right. and down and around because a lot of times you've got a lot of leverage there on that drive shaft. Mm-hmm. If you've right. got a U-joint that's tight on the front, you can move it with that much leverage. Yeah. But when you uh-huh. get it out and you got the short yoke on it, you can feel it. Now, I'll tell you something else too, Bill. That drive shaft is independently balanced. That means yeah. you're not going to be able to just go pound a set of U-joints in it. If you do, you have a vibration from hell that you won't be able to get rid of. You need to probably take that drive shaft someone and have them have the U-joints replaced if that is the problem. Just because you're going to probably have to end up rebalancing the shaft. And it's aluminum shaft. It's very, it's very easy to damage shaft. the shaft if you're not careful putting those joints in. So it's not like the old days where you just beat a joint into it. Okay. All righty. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, All right. Thank you, man. All right. Bye-bye. And we're going back to our phone lines. We've got Pat on the line. Good morning, Pat. Yes. Good morning. How you doing, ladies? Doing great, sir. I have a 1995 Chevy Lumina. Uh-huh. Got about 120,000 miles on it. Okay. Now, this car has been laid up for about uh, six or seven months. Okay. And when I laid it up, it was running great. Yes, sir. Okay, when I started it up, it just made a loud noise. It makes a loud noise like there's going you know, throw a rod or there's valves tapping and stuff like that. Okay. Now, it does it in park, in neutral, and in reverse. 
Now, when I put it in drive or any of the forward gears, mm-hmm. it, uh, it runs normally. Okay. Now, is it really a running problem, or is it just a noise, Pat? It's a, it's a loud noise. It's not actually running bad. It's just making noise. Yeah, yeah, that's, okay. correct. that's correct. Man, the first thing off the top of my head would be to check all the motor mounts and stuff, make sure a motor mount hadn't just deteriorated, you know, that rubber, because when you put it in drive, the motor cocks over in the opposite direction, and it doesn't reverse. Oh, okay. And okay. something may be tapping or hitting that mm-hmm. when you put it into drive, when the motor cocks over, it no longer hits or taps. Mm-hmm. That would just be the first thing I could think of. Now, the, the other thing would be, have you physically looked at the motor and all? I mean, just physically inspect it for something obvious? Like, like maybe a belt that's got a big piece hanging off of it and slapping on something? Yeah, I did that. You checked all that. that. Yeah. It sounded like it's coming from underneath the valve covers. Like. Well, it could be that the oil has just all drained back and the lifters have lost their prime, but I don't understand what putting in drive would have to do with that, you see? Yeah. That's the only thing that kind of throws me off. Before you said that, I was kind of saying, well, yeah, it's just lost its prime on the lifters and they're clattering. I don't see what changing gear would have to do with that. Uh-huh. So I don't know where to tell you to, to go. And if it doesn't have a gauge in it, does it have a light on the oil pressure? It has a light. Yeah, so you can't check your oil yeah, pressure. Right. It's certainly possible that the oil has drained down out of the lifters, and it's not like the old days where they'll just pump up immediately. Okay. Uh, I've seen times where it could take, man, hours before they'll regain prime. Uh-huh. In some weird cases, they don't even regain prime. I've seen where we had go into the engine and change some lifters out uh, okay. when a car was sitting too long. If you think for sure it's in the motor, I would probably, I'm not a real big proponent of engine additives at all, but uh-huh. in this case, you might want to pick up a can of something like Marvel Mystery Oil okay. and just read the can and follow the instructions. You're not going to hurt anything okay. by adding that. If that Per instructions. Exactly. Follow if, the instructions. If that, follow, okay. if that changes the noise, okay. you know, if, it gets, if it gets better or it gets worse or if it changes, then we know we're kind of in the right direction. It may not fix it, but it may change it. Okay. So if the noise changes when you do that, then that would be the thing to look at. The other thing I can think of is if you can watch the engine, maybe get somebody to get in there, put their foot on the brake, and shift it from back and forth into the gears. Okay. And see if that motor is moving and maybe something is hitting on something when it moves. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's another possibility. If I'm not mistaken, that that engine has like five mounts on it. Mm-hmm. It's got three on the bottom, and it's got two dog bones on the top, okay. right right by the top of the radiator. Okay. That bolt over to the motor, and the ones on top are real bad about going bad. The rubber will break down in them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the motor will flop around a lot when you from forward to reverse. The motor will jump forward. Right. Now, okay. the one on the back of the transmission, on the engine side of the transmission. Okay. That one usually gets soaked with oil, and just for the design it is, the oil tends to leak and run down onto that rubber, right. and it will deteriorate that rubber, and that mouth will come undone also. Okay. So that would be the first things I would look at. Yeah, yeah, especially if, if changing gear makes a difference. Right. Okay, would, would it be beneficial to just run it, uh, run it in place for about 10 minutes or so? Would it be beneficial just to run it forward? The only problem I can see there is if it is an engine noise, uh-huh. from, say, something like a rod or whatever, then right. running it may end up damaging it. Oh, okay. Uh, Have you changed oil in it? Uh, yeah, I, I did Put, change Before I laid it up, I changed it. I right. mean, you haven't changed it since you parked it. No, no, I haven't. You no. might try, might try just that. changing it all again. Okay. And changing the filter again. Okay. Just because, you know, oil tends to, to degrade over time. It gets moisture in it and stuff. Uh-huh. And it's possible that could even be contributing to it. It's certainly not going to hurt right. anything. To yeah, do that. right, yeah. Get you a good uh, AC Delco filter. Yeah, the, the regular AC okay. Delco filter. And, the, and put the on correct, there. the correct weight oil for it. 
Okay. It should be 5W30. I believe it's 530. Yes, 5W30. Okay. Yes, yeah, so try those things. And, and okay. the, the point is to see what affects the noise. If changing oil or, or adding an additive affects the noise, chances are you do have something in right. the engine. It'd be better not to drive it too much. Okay. If that does not affect it at all, then chances are it's on the outside of the motor, in which case it'd be probably just bring it into the shop and have them located for you. Okay. I'll try all these things. If not, I'll just tow it over to your shop. Okay, Pat. Okay. Thank all right. You, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. you have Bye-bye. a good weekend. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. And we got Isaac on the line. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning, Lewis. How y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Great. I got an O2 Buick Century. Okay. The check engine light keeps coming on. Mm-hmm. And the cold shows catalytic converter. Okay. Okay, I put a catalytic converter on there. Mm-hmm. But what they did, they put a universal catalytic yeah, converter right. on Yeah, right. Yeah, probably won't work. And they say it got a breathing tube go to that catalytic right, converter. Right, And it's not hooked up. Well, all of that does is helps it to operate. It pumps air into it to help it catalyze the, the mixture better. But those little universal converters just aren't going to work on an OBD2 car. See, anything from 96 up has a specific converter built for that car. Uh-huh. If it was a 95 or older, that might work, but it's not going to work on 2002. Now, you can go and find what they call a direct fit OBD2 compliant converter, and that may go in there if they hadn't cut the pipe and welded the pipe and all that. If they've done that, now you're pretty much screwed because then it'll messed up all the pipes that it's got a bolt to. Right, they didn't. I don't think they did that. Well, that's normally what they do with those little things, a little weld-in deal, and they cut all the pipes and weld it in there, and then you can't put the right one back on after that. So you're going to have to get a OBD2 compliant converter. It will not ever pass tests. Oh, okay. The, 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 and that's kind of expensive. Huh? Extremely expensive. That particular car, probably five, 600 bucks. Yep, that's what they were telling me. And that's one of the cheapest ones. <laughs> you know? Yeah, some of them run up to Ford, Yeah, Ford's, a, I've seen Ford's $2,000. Yeah, 1900 Yeah. Ooh, the car's not worth that. I know, much. I yeah. know. Well, and that's what they want then you to there do you go. Anyway. go buy a new car. That's what they want you to do in the first place, yeah, you know? Exactly. That's the whole yeah. plan, man. You need uh, to be in a 2011 uh, <laughs> hybrid yeah, <laughs> Chevrolet pickup truck, yeah, you know? Then just the battery would be $6,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I appreciate y'all. Okay, You're welcome, sir. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, please give us a call. It's 291 well, I tell you what, I'm just blowing I'm off. telling you. <laughs> I've been sick all week. You gotta, okay, you got to have something to play. Okay, here. all right. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines. Michael, good morning, Michael. Uh, good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. Yeah, I got a 93 F-150. Okay. And sometimes when I go to start it, the check engine light will come on. Okay. And it'll sound like it has a miss. It won't run right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, light's flashing? No, it's not flashing. It just comes on, and I turn it on and turn it off. Again, uh-huh. it goes away. Yeah, it, what you're doing is just resetting it. There'll be a code stored in memory, Michael. You're just going to have to get that code checked, see what it is, and that's just going to tell you what area to start looking in. It does not tell you what's wrong. So do not start changing parts based on what that code says, or you'll run out of money before you run out of guesses. You need to find yeah. you a, a good, qualified shop yeah. that have can them. diagnose that complaint properly. And get you a correct diagnosis. Right. Then after you get it diagnosed, if you want yeah. to try to fix it yourself, that's fine. But get somebody who knows what they're doing and tell you what's wrong with it. Because just going to the parts house and getting the code read, like Lewis was saying, you start buying parts, yeah. you may never fix it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you could have yeah, something like a lean code. Okay, well, what does a lean code mean? Well, they're going to oh, we'll buy an oxygen sense because oxygen sense is out of range. Okay, well, that's not it. It was a 
vacuum leak or it was a computer was bad or it was the airflow meter was bad or it was a map sensor was you know it's just too many expensive parts in there and too you many variables keep, keep guessing 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 from now on you just run out of money that's kind of like the washington dc method of repairing cars just throw money at hope to fix something you know yeah kind of way our government does things <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you see what it's got them Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Best best find somebody who's good, qualified. Probably take less than an hour for them to diagnose that. Most shops are going to charge you between eighty and ninety dollars an hour. So somewhere between eighty and ninety bucks. You know what's wrong. You that way you can go in. You can change just those parts. It's going to be way, way, way cheaper. Oh, all right. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. All right, you want to be part of the automotive hour? And we got Mark on the line. Good morning, Mark. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning. Good, thanks. Listen, I have a 94 Chevrolet pickup truck. Uh-huh. Just basically left me okay. and had to diagnose, and it was supposed to be a map. Well, since then, it's still never run right since the new map sensor's been in there. And it makes the transmission. I'm getting to a higher level RPMs before yeah. the thing is Well, it's going to. One if, gear to if the, the map other. sensor's not reading right, or if what the map sensor's reading is not right, that's one of the major inputs to the transmission. It's not going to shift right. Uh-huh. So you just gonna have to go in and find out what's wrong. You're changing the map sensor. I doubt very seriously that was a problem to start with. Now you probably uh-huh. got a map sensor that's bad now. If you went that's, to a parts store, that's very possible. It. If you got your original one, you might want to put it back on there and get the original problem diagnosed. You're gonna be way cheaper off. If this problem started after put in, you probably got a substandard map sensor. Okay. And you still got the original problem, which is dying. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm sure you could diagnose this. Oh, thing. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just, if you got your original part, put that back on there. And then bring it in. We can go from there because I, first thing I'm gonna have to do, you bring it with that, is tell you, okay, you got a bad one, and I'm gonna have to get you good and put it on there just to get to ground zero. Uh huh. Okay. All right. No, don't have the old one though. So. Well, we can go that way too. It just costs more money. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, I'll do that. Okay, Mark. Thank you, man. Thank All you, right. sir. Bye bye. Come on, be part of the automotive hour. One of these days, I think I'm gonna get that number down. You think? Yeah. I Y'all probably. ain't been doing this 18 years. <laughs> I know. I think you'd have the number by now. <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> hey, we're going to take one more quick little break. Bobby and Andrew, hang on. You guys be straight about the break. I'm here with Stuart, life insurance rep and Agco Automotive customer. That's me. So, Stuart, as an Agco customer driving a car with 245,000 miles, you believe in preventative maintenance, right? I sure do. You know, having your car checked out annually can prevent major repairs, just like an annual insurance review. That reminds me of the old insurance story about the poor lady at her husband's funeral who asked her agent about death benefits, and he informs her that old Joe's first wife is still the beneficiary. Oh, an annual review would have helped, huh? That's why Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection to get an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs needed to help keep your car running. Oh, I'm definitely a believer. So, on another note, my wife wants to increase my life insurance policy by a couple million. Should I be worried? All I can say is some flowers and a gift card to the spa couldn't hurt. Mmm, good point, Stuart. For the rest of you out there, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. To the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? And we got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. 
Hey, Lewis and Brian, how you doing? doing Good great, morning, sir. sir. One thing, I'm a firm believer in the ADCO stimulus program, which means keep your old car and give it proper maintenance That's at right. ADCO, and you come straight ahead. <laughs> there That's you right. go. ADCO That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I wish my wife would have been listening to that Saturn thing. I, she's been trying to get me to buy one of those because oh, uh, she likes the color or something. I said, look, yep. sweetheart. <laughs> yep, <laughs> anyway. Yep. We'll paint the car. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. I said, okay, great. Uh, okay, here's my question. I've got a, my daughter's got a caravan that's it's running great, mm-hmm. but the tires, and she put the tires on it some time ago, but Lewis, I noticed those tires have the DOD number 3302 and 3102. That means they were made in 02, Correct. right? That's yes, right. Sir. 31st uh, week of 2002. Right. They got a lot of tread on them, but should I be concerned about yeah, it? Yeah, I, don't I would. Yeah, I would. Six years is, is okay. life of the tire, man. They, what's going to happen, Bobby? She'll be going down the interstate one day and the tire's just going to let go. She's going to lose yeah. control. And what happens from there just depends on what's going on around her. It just isn't worth it. I mean, go ahead and get them off. Get her a decent set of tires on there. Six years of life of a tire. Don't even pay attention how much rubber's left on it. Doesn't make a bit of difference. Once it's right, six so, years so, old, you're done. Uh, all right. So even if she drives like an old lady in the city, get it. Man, I would. Anyway. Man, at the, course, at the very least, one of them's going to go flat yeah. and leave her somewhere that she yeah. really doesn't, doesn't want to be. Yeah, leave her in the wrong place of town. I exactly. Know, the older I get, the less. I don't even want to be in the wrong place. That's, that's right. right. I hear that's you. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think 60 Minutes did a pretty good expose on old tires. You might want to Google that and see something okay. like, uh, just type in like old tires, uh, 60 Minutes or something to that effect. And they did a pretty good little presentation. On it. It'll scare the devil out of you. And rightly so. We've been touting this for probably the last 20 years, and only in the last few years are people starting to catch on to it. But yeah, old tires are really bad news, man. They'll, they'll end up hurting you. Okay, so if we're going, like I said, my wife and I on our car, we do go on the highway at 75 mm-hmm. and 80. That's right. Uh, no more than six years. Six years. Because I got one that's coming up on, I got to check it. I got to yeah. check mine. Yeah. And um, I'll change that, baby, because like I said, we do go quick. My daughter oh, yeah. just drives kind of slow. Yeah. Okay, Lewis, you right. guys do a great job. Keep okay, up Bobby. the good work. Thank, Thank you, you. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Andrew online. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, good morning, sir. Yes, good sir. Good morning. Love your show. Thank Let's you. Listen to you all the time. Yes, sir. Thank you. I've got an O2 Camry, uh-huh. and I, I took your advice. Uh, it's got 319,000 wow, miles on good it. good deal. That's great. And, but it, the in- check engine light's been on for four years. Okay. Been through, like you said, I've been through everybody. I've been all the diagnostics. Mm-hmm. They've changed the catalytic converter, L2 sensor, and everything. I just put a, a, a low-mileage motor in it. I, I wasn't going to trade the car. It wasn't right. nothing for it. Smart. But yeah. I found a low-mileage new motor that mm-hmm. I put back in it. Okay. Well, the light was off for about a week, and now it's right back on again. Yeah, you got to remember, Andrew, see, there's, there's lo- roughly 2,000 things that will make that light come on. Yeah, yeah. That's and there's only one light. So right. you you may have more, than, particularly if it's been on four years, there may be five or six problems in there. And well, I keep saying it's a, it's a vacuum problem. Well, it oh. could be. Could be, but I mean, it could be so many other things too. What you're gonna have to do is find somebody who knows what they're doing, and you're gonna have to be patient with them because if that light's been on that long, <laughs> chances are there's more than one thing in there. So they go in and fix one thing, and it, yep. light goes out. Well, you know, two weeks later, wham, light comes back. That's something else that was in there, and then on and on and on. Of course, now that you got a newer motor, the odds of fixing it are a whole lot better because on that old motor, it could have just been the motor was. You know, back end was too low. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So you got a pretty good chance now of fixing it. It's just going to take a little bit of persistence. But unless you live outside the five parish area, you're going to have to get it fixed before you get an inspection sticker. Right. Uh, now, if you're outside the five parish area, you know, they're not checking that right now. But still, it's just an awful good feature to have. You need to go ahead and get that light fixed, and that way you got an early warning system that you can count on. Okay, great. 
But, I'll, uh, I'll keep shooting at it. Yeah, then. one of the most common things that we see on that year model Camry was a charcoal canister in the back by the gas tank. They had a lot of trouble with those, redesigned that part, and there is a new design out for that. But if you're setting a, depending on what code you got, if you got like a va- evaporative emissions code, which sounds like what you may have, they're telling you vacuum leak, that is one of the prime candidates. What happens, the charcoal in that canister breaks down, it goes out through the lines, and when it does, it clogs up the two solenoids, the vent solenoid and the purge solenoid. And the oh. first thing you know is that the solenoid's clogged up, wham, light comes on. Well, you go check around, and maybe you put another solenoid on it. Okay, well, then the other solenoid goes out, so the light comes back. So you oh. change that solenoid. Well, in the meantime, more charcoals come up the line, plug the other one up again. So you just and you say, well, I know that one's good because I already changed it. So you just ignore it, and you go change a bunch of other stuff. Okay. And the problem was charcoal coming out of that canister keeps clogging up solenoids. So that's oh. kind of sort of the sort of things that you get into. There's just different levels of diagnostic guys out there. There's the guys who can read a scan tool and change a part, and then there's the guys who can really figure out what's wrong. You just need to find one of those guys like that who has that kind of a mind that says, hey, when this happens, it's because of this and this and this and this, so we got to fix this to stop it from happening again. Well, I just and, learned more in two minutes than I've tried it. All the manuals and all the other people. <laughs> Thank you, Lewis. All right, man. I'll bring it by. Let's look at it. Okay, Andrew. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Right. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. And you want to go ahead and give another plug here for the website. That's just a great, great, great resource, not only for people Baton Rouge, people anywhere, but pop on there. There's just so much information on there. If you listen to the calls and the questions and the problems that people have, so many of those not only could be solved by reading that website, but a lot of them could be prevented. That's right, and uh, all that information is free to you. That's There's right. no charge for any of that information on that site. It's just a it's a great resource for the stuff like the gentleman, last gentleman said. You can't find in the manual. Right. Well, you know, 40 years of working on cars and 18 years of listening to folks' problems and problems that couldn't get fixed elsewhere, what I've done is I've tried to condense that all down into one area, make it searchable, and there's just so much information on there. Not only that, but we put some stuff in there that's real fun. You know, there's a little contest on there, some things you can do. There's tons of information about the automotive industry in general, your car, oil, tires, uh, air pressure. You name it, there's probably an article on there, and more and more being added every single week. I'm working on one right now on the drive shaft clunk on the Chevy on the pickup trucks. And, mm-hmm. of course, some other trucks have that where you come to a stop and you hear that clunk like somebody bumped from the back. Right. Putting together an article with pictures tells you why it does it, how to prevent it, what you can do to fix it, that kind of thing. So those are the kinds of things that you can find on that site. Of course, there's lots of other stuff on there. If you're interested in doing business with Agco, obviously tells you where our location is, what our phone number is. But questions like how much you charge for diagnosis and why do you do it that way? Because when you start doing business with Agco, the first thing you're going to notice is that we're very, very different That's from right. every other automotive shop you've ever been to. Exactly. We do things and differently. There's a reason for that. That's exactly right. And I tell people, I had one guy, well, I never did it that way. I said, well, are you perfectly happy with the way things have always gone for you when you get your car repaired? Well, right. no, I ain't never happy. Well, then maybe you ought to try something different. Because this is different. And this is different. What I tried to do when I started Agco 35 years ago is not look at what everybody else was doing and do the same thing. I tried to engineer a solution to what I saw as a problem. And without paying too much attention to what everybody else was doing, that's what I've done over the years is engineer solutions to problems. So what has evolved is a business that's very, very different from the other businesses out there. 
and I take that as a high compliment. I really don't care what everybody else does. Doesn't matter how they do it next door. I'm telling you, this is what gets real good results for us. Right. And you can just read some of the t- customer testimonial letters that are on that site to know that we get pretty good results. That's right. We got a whole wall. That's just a, a sample of right. what we got in the shop. Right. We've done very, very well over the years with these methods. And if you want to get better results, you have to use different methods. Because like Einstein said, insanity is keep doing the same thing and hope to get better results. Different results. There you go. <laughs> this isn't going to happen. So pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's Altazan's Garage Company is what the little acronym stands for. It took a long time to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We just took it as a name. and then, That's right. I just didn't tell anybody. There you go. <laughs> everybody, where'd you get that name from? I don't know. Just name, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're just about out of time today. want to tell everybody how much we appreciate him listening this morning and every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on the Automotive Hour. And we we'll hope you listen to us again next week. That's right. We'll be here. That's right. And just in case you happen to miss the show, you can always log on to the website and you can download it right there or do a podcast. So you can listen to Automotive Hour just anytime, anytime of the you week want to. you want. You got it. All right. Hey, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Have a great weekend.